Well, hey, Phoenix Bible Church, it's so good to be with you, and it's so uh, exciting to be starting a new series with you called God in You, a study of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know where you come from in regard to the Holy Spirit, your knowledge of the Holy Spirit, what you think of or maybe don't think of when it comes to the Holy Spirit, but this is going to be a helpful series for our church to go through. For one, uh, last Sunday, May 31st, was Pentecost Sunday. It's when we celebrate and we're reminded of Acts chapter 2, which we're going to look at today, when the Holy Spirit came and in this big event that happened, and we just kind of celebrated that, reminded of that. Maybe you didn't do that, but, but we're going to dig into what we need to celebrate and be reminded of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then two, another reason why it's important for us to go through this is, to be honest, a lot of us, we don't know who this Holy Spirit is or what he's responsible for, what it has to do with my life and, and your life and our, our church. And, and so we're going to drill down on what that looks like. And then lastly, in this particular season we find ourselves in, that is confusing, that's chaotic, that is fear-filled, anxiety-filled, as many of us are wondering, like, how do I change? How, how do people out there change? How, how do I make decisions? I mean, there's so many news sources and social media and perspectives that seem to change all the time. How do I make decisions? And I believe most of those questions that we have in this particular season are answered in the Holy Spirit of God. And so we're going to dig into it. I encourage you to grab a Bible if you didn't already. Uh, Kim just read it, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Uh, so get God's Word in front of you, and let's look at that together. Uh, it starts off verse 1 with, When the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, this is the book of Acts, just to pull back a little bit. It's a sequel to the Gospel of Luke, and it's written by the same author. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote Acts. And, and it's just a sequence of, we see in the Gospel of Luke, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then we move to the book of Acts, and Jesus ascends in Acts 1. And then we see the church is birthed in the book of Acts, and we see the movement of Christianity rise amongst the earth. Right? And so that's where we are in Acts chapter 2. And specifically, as it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, that word Pentecost was a Jewish feast held 50 days after Passover. And while you and I may not have looked forward to Passover last Sunday, uh, or Pentecost Sunday rather, last Sunday, while you may not have had that marked on your calendar, May 31st, a lot of people in our world do because they're reminded of the significance of this event in Acts chapter 2. Because in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, this day was anticipated. In fact, it was loaded with, with hype and anticipation because of all the promises in Scripture that predicted this moment. Uh, there's lots of them that we could look at. I'm just going to give you two from Jesus about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit who would come. John 14, 6 is one of them. Jesus says this. He says, I'm going to send another counselor who will come to be with you forever. Now that counselor, that's a word often used to describe the Holy Spirit. It's a title for the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus says in John 14, 6, another counselor, don't think like another like different counselor than him. You should think another like me, that Jesus literally is saying, someone like me is going to come and be with you forever, John 14, 6, and it's the Holy Spirit. 
John 16, 7, Jesus says this, that it's actually good for Jesus to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. Now, again, we have a hard time imagining that, that the disciples who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus, the very Son of God, that Jesus is saying, hey, that's good. Like these miracles, the messages I'm preaching, the healings that you're seeing, bringing God's kingdom to earth, that's good, but it's going to get better when the Holy Spirit of, of God comes upon you. Right? And that, that's, that's part of the promises that we have that this Holy Spirit would come. And so the disciples, followers of Jesus, people from all time are looking toward that moment where the Holy Spirit of God is going to come. And that's the scene that we come to in Acts chapter 2. Jesus has died. He has resurrected. Acts 1, he does ascend. He does leave. And in Acts 2, that promised Holy Spirit, that other counselor, that it would be better for Jesus to, to leave so that that counselor could come. He's coming. And it's found in Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost. Now, when it comes to Pentecost, maybe you've even heard that word or you've thought about the Holy Spirit again in your life or you've heard about it on TV or in church or read about it even in the Bible. Most of the time when we think about the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, we think of it being of an individual nature. I, I know for me, growing up around the church, I just when I would hear about the coming of the Holy Spirit, especially Pentecost, I associated with that. Uh, Pentecostal churches, right? And you may have heard of that denomination and whether good or bad experience you've had with that or, or, or have heard of that. Uh, sometimes we think of Pentecostal as this extravagant, dramatic movement of the Holy Spirit and people are falling out on stage. And, and that's kind of how I grew up thinking about the Holy Spirit and Pentecost specifically. This very individualistic thing, like this private prayer language that you would have with God speaking in tongues because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe some other people understood that, but maybe they didn't. And maybe you were more elite than I was. Anybody experience this? Maybe you were in a different category of Christian. You were more spiritual than me as an individual because of your privatized, private spiritual language with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I think most people think of. Maybe you have thought of that when you think of Pentecost or the Holy Spirit. But if you actually read the Bible, which is a good idea, if you actually read Acts 2, this event of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit of God to people, it couldn't have been more collective and unifying. It wasn't individualistic at all. And if you look at it with me, verse 1, look at that verse. We see that people were all together in one place. Now, this is Jesus' disciples, his, his followers. They're collectively gathered. And it's no accident that they are all together in one place. And that setting is what precedes the Holy Spirit rushing in. It rushed in in a communal gathering where people were all together. We see it in verse 3. It says, each one of them, verse 4, all were filled, that this was a shared communal experience, not individualistic at all. And then we really drill down in the communal nature of the coming of the Holy Spirit in verses 5 through 12. Look at those verses with me. We see an extremely diverse crowd, multitude, Luke says, begin to gather. Uh, verse 5, in fact, it says, every nation under heaven was represented. 
It lists some of them. It says the Parthians, the Medes, the Arabians, visitors from Rome. It lists many other people groups and nations. Every nation under heaven is represented in this crowd that begins to gather around the disciples. In verse 11, this amazing thing happens. It says they were all, all these different languages, all these different people groups, every nation under heaven represented all of these people. It says in verse 11, were hearing in their own tongue, their own language, in the literal uh, text, the mighty works of God. And so I know that's a lot, and I know we have a lot of misconceptions about this, but again, just trying to understand the communal uh, power that's taking place with the power of the Holy Spirit coming. Just try to picture this. A meeting of the United Nations with 193 sovereign states represented people with different languages, ethnicities, backgrounds, coming together in one meeting. And can you just imagine at that meeting if there was no interpreter? Because supernaturally, every one of those people, different tongues, different languages, somehow supernaturally, they were hearing the words that were spoken to them in their own language. Perfectly, so that they could understand it. That's the scene in Acts chapter 2. It's a powerful scene. Pentecost is powerful. The Holy Spirit coming is powerful. But it's not just powerful for super spiritual people over there in an individualized, privatized way. It is powerful in a public, in a gathered, in a communal way. And that's how it originates in Acts chapter 2. It's communal. It's not individualistic. Now, why is that such a big deal? Right? Why do we have to drill down that point so well? Well, what's happening in this season, in this time, in Acts chapter 2 and leading up to this time, has been division. You see, in, in biblical times and really throughout Scripture, we have primarily two groups of people. We have the Jews and then we have the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles, the little word for Gentiles was ethnos, meaning ethnicity, and it was all the nations. And then you had the Jews. And so we have the Jewish people, and then we have all these different nations, backgrounds, ethnicities, languages represented, and those two groups didn't intersect that much. They didn't come together much. In this scene, they have gathered all around, but, but that normally wasn't the case. They didn't go in each other's homes and, and different things like that. There was division, and it was a division that existed from the Old Testament. It was a, a division that had existed for generations that everybody knew. Jews, Gentiles, they were separated. And it went so far as it invaded the church that in that day, in the temple, their church back then, they had dividing walls, We've talked about this before, that if you can just picture a temple, maybe you've visited one or seen one or seen pictures of one, but there were originally dividing walls where you could worship God. And in that most holy of holies part, that would be the priest, and they would get to go in there, and then there would be a dividing wall. And then there would be a section where the Jewish male could worship God. And then there would be another dividing wall. And then there would be a Jewish female. And then there would be another dividing wall, and so on and so on. And so that the Gentiles, the ethnos, other ethnicities, every other nation and tongue and language and tribe, they would have to gather outside the temple walls to worship God. Separate from the Jewish people. People had been divided for generations, even in the church. 
And that's what's happening as we come to Acts 2, where everything changes. You see, Ephesians 2, we're told by Paul, the apostle, that Jesus, by his blood, he breaks down every dividing wall of hostility. And that's meant to to give you a visual of the temple, that all of those walls that were dividing people, even in church, they've been broken down through the blood of Jesus Christ. But now in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit officially ushers that in. It ushers in unity in place of all the hostility that everybody's experienced for so, so long. So this is a powerful, unifying experience like has not taken place before. Now, we're in a different time, right? It's 2020. It's America, and we have different ethnicities, different backgrounds, all living in this country in particular, all living in Phoenix, the fifth largest city in the country. Different time, different place. Same issue, right? We're divided, right? And we're divided maybe in different ways than Jews and Gentiles were, but we are divided. In fact, some of you, you're feeling that division. You're feeling, and maybe you've even said this, man, it just seems like we're more divided than ever before in my lifetime, right? Now, could we use the power of Pentecost? Could we use the coming of the Holy Spirit of God yielding to his spirit to unite us, to to remove the hostility, to break down walls, and to usher in unity in place of hostility? Could we use that in 2020 in America like they could use it in Acts chapter 2? The answer is yes, right? Uh, Drop in the comments, yes. Like The answer is yes. We desperately need an Acts 2 Pentecost coming of the Holy Spirit moment in our world today, just like they did in their day. Now, I know we would all agree, hey, there's division in the moment we we walk in today. There's division in the specific season we are in today. All of us would probably, watching this, we would agree with that. Uh, But I, I would ask you, have you stopped for a moment and pulled back and just paused and turned off the news and social media and just, and just reflected on the season we're in and reflected upon the depths of division you and I are facing right now. Have you done that? I did that for you, right? You're welcome. And, and I just wrote down some of the things, some of the depths of division that all of us are facing right now in this season in 2020. Now, I won't get to everything, but I'm just going to give you several. One, we are in the midst of a pandemic that almost no one can agree on the symptoms, much less the cure. Anybody felt that with me? I mean, hour by hour, it's like there's a new symptom. It's like it could get to your foot, COVID-19, and we're just like, what? You're like, I do have a blister on my foot. Do I have it? You know? And then the next hour, it's something else. And the next, the next day, it's something, hey, there's actually a new symptom. And we can't agree on the symptoms, much less the cure. I mean, is it, come on, I'm not going to get into this, but I'm just saying, is it herd immunity? Is it a vaccine? Is it social distancing? Is it a mask? Do masks even matter? Is it hand sanitizer? Like some of you are bathing in it, right? And we can't agree on the symptoms, much less the cure. We're divided, And listen, we're not just in a COVID-19 pandemic. We also find ourselves in the midst of a cultural and spiritual 
pandemic. The existence of racism in any form that we are experiencing right now. The existence of a a departure from the Imago Dei, the image of God and the value of life from womb to the grave. The existence of violence and vengeance in our streets. The existence of divorce and broken homes that is plaguing our society right now. The existence of a a lack, or the lack of existence rather, of kindness, of empathy. We are in a, not just COVID-19 pandemic, we're in a cultural, spiritual pandemic. It is dividing us. Not only that, but many have been isolated for the better part of three months. We've literally been divided on purpose. Yet we were designed for face-to-face human connection. We're made for that. If you're not a Christian watching this, you've realized, hey, I'm made for community. We've all realized that in our world. Yet we're divided house to house. My kids, I've seen this. I have three kids, and they've been stuck inside for the most part 24-7 for what feels like years. Come on, parents. And not only have they been stuck inside like cabin fever, they're becoming experts. My kids are and wearing masks and learning how not to hug people. I don't know if my kids are ever going to hug somebody again. Right? We're divided. We're facing depths of division. Our use of technology is at record highs, which is simultaneously helpful and hurtful. Listen, technology is helpful right now. You're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, scripture proclaimed, because of technology, it's helpful. But simultaneously, it's also hurtful at times, right? It's often uh, lacking in intonation, nonverbals. It's definitely lacking in a good meal, a good beverage, come on. It's definitely lacking in a hug, right? That, That simultaneously, we're on technology more than ever before, And it's helpful in some ways, but man, it can be hurtful. And we've all experienced that division. Listen, we've experienced division because of the lack of gathering in the church. I love online church. I love how we've adapted. I love how our team has worked countless hours to do what we're doing now. Again, to to even expand our reach that week by week still we have more and more people joining us than we even did in in-person gatherings. We have more and more people filling out connect cards, asking how they can be discipled and baptized once this is all over. And I'm so thankful for online church. But listen, we've experienced division even in that, that we have desperately missed the communal, spiritual, accountable life change that takes place when we gather together and we stir one another up to love and good deeds, as Hebrews 10, 25 tells us. We've experienced division in that way. And then lastly, just to throw these in at the end, we're moving into an election season. Do I need to say more? Uh, And then finally, Satan and the spiritual forces of evil are still all around us and at work in everything we can see and can't see. Have you stopped? to experience, to reflect on the depths of the division that you are facing, that I am facing, that our church is facing, that our world is facing. 
Now, why, why stop and, and think about that? Why reflect on that just to depress ourselves or to think, man, that's going to explode, especially election seasons. It's not even here yet. That's going to explode in fireworks. I mean, not the 4th of July kind of fireworks, like the bad fireworks and like, oh my gosh, and fear and anxiety. Maybe it's welling up for you right now. That's not the reason why we reflect on the depths of division we're facing. We reflect on the depths of division that you and I are facing to realize we're all in this together. We're facing division, and Satan will use it to divide not only us at Phoenix Bible Church, but the Big C Church. And we need to stop, and we need to reflect on what we are facing in these unprecedented times so that we will be humbled enough to cry out to the Holy Spirit of God, like in Acts chapter 2, to come, that we might yield to Him in every way in our personal lives, in our church, and in our world that we might humble ourselves enough to see what we're facing and be desperate enough to stop looking at social media, to stop watching the news, to turn it off, and to get our Bible in front of us and ask the Holy Spirit of God to once again breathe life into us like He did in Acts chapter 2 and to come like a rushing wind in our lives and in our church and in our world and bring unity to replace the hostility with unity, to to knock down the walls of division and replace it with unity, and that he might call us to lead the way in that as the church of Jesus Christ. So why do you need to know the depths of the division we're facing? So that you can cry out desperately for the Holy Spirit of God to move in your heart, our church, and our world. That's what we need. And so listen, some of you, are posting and listen that's that's fine right? some of your posts can be great and, and helpful but if you're posting more than you're praying for the Holy Spirit of God to teach you for, for you to yield to him in your life for him to unify your own heart and mind with his thoughts with the way that he sees the world if you're posting more than you're doing that then you're missing something, right? We won't experience the unity, all these different tribe, tongue, language, all these different people hearing about the mighty works of God. We won't experience that kind of spirit-empowered unity from a post. We need prayer. We need desperate prayer for the Holy Spirit. So are you spending more time posting than praying for the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word to you? Are you sitting open with the word of God more than ever before saying, God, we need you. God, I need you. Inform and affect the way I see life, the decisions that I make, the way I treat other people, the way I listen and I'm quick to listen and slow to speak. Are you doing that? more than you're posting. Listen, as much as peaceful protests can help things, as much as a policy could could help things, are, are you leaning more into that than you are into the Holy Spirit of God? Are you looking more to a policy instead of the person of the Holy Spirit of God and and asking him and and gathering with others to ask him to change hearts, which is what legislation can never do? Are you doing that more than hoping for a policy, more than hoping for a peaceful 
protest, to, to have a, a profound effect. Right? Are you spending, listen, this gets me, this convicted me this week, this is going to convict you. Are you spending more time being bitter, being angry, being passive, being indifferent, then you are praying for the Holy Spirit of God to change your heart, to cultivate real-life conversation, to cultivate real-life unity with other believers and other people in our world by the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you spending more time being bitter, thinking, man, if they could just understand it my way, if they could just get where I'm coming from, how could they come from that point of view? How could they think this way? Are you spending more time filling your thoughts and minds and your actions and your words with that than you are praying, asking the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts, to inform and affect your thoughts, opening up the Word of God, asking Him to change your heart and mind and change your perspective and that other person's, to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Are you spending more time doing that than you are in bitterness, anger, indifference? Listen, I know that's convicting. It was convicting for me, but we need to ask that question, right? Because there is power, there is unifying power available to us in the power of the Holy Spirit that we are missing out on if we're not leaning into him, listening to him, learning from him more, over and above everything else, every other social media, news channel, whatever your favorite is, every other bitterness, every other my rights, we're missing out on the unity God has designed for you and I to walk in. Now, why why don't we lean into the Holy Spirit more? Why is it easier to watch the news or or follow a news feed on social media? Why is it easier to be bitter? Why is it easier to, to hang on to our bias, our preference, our prejudice? Why is it easier to do that? I think a few reasons. I think for some of us, we're not sure how to lean into the Holy Spirit, to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, that's why we're doing this series, to drill down on what that looks like, to equip you to learn from the Holy Spirit, to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit through God's Word and through prayer. So we're going to get to that over the next few weeks. I encourage you, come back each week. Don't miss a week. I think some of us, we're fearful We've heard about the Holy Spirit, seems mysterious, kind of ghostly, like I'm not sure, I don't want to get involved in that. It seems like people fall out when they, when they experience the Holy Spirit. I just kind of want to stay away from that. And some of us are fearful. I know, I know people in my life, my sister-in-law, she still has trouble coming back to the church, for sure talking about or experiencing the Holy Spirit, trusting the Holy Spirit, because of an experience she had in a camp when she was young. So listen, I get that, and some of us are fearful of the Holy Spirit, but a lot of us, I believe, we're fearful of the Holy Spirit in a different way. You see, we're fearful of the Holy Spirit in the way that, hey, if we fully yield to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and through prayer, if we completely give up our preferences, our bias, our perspectives, if we yield all of that to the Holy Spirit, some things would have to change. I, I would have to, I'm holding on to some of these things, some polarization, some politics, some preferences, some of my personality. And if I were to completely surrender to the Holy Spirit of God, I'd have to let that go and I don't want to do that, right? That's me. Listen, I'm not, I'm not accusing you of that. That's me. I'm scared to yield to the Holy Spirit because if I know, if I do that, 
my heart, mind, and my hands, everything about my life is going to change. And let me just tell you, that's a valid fear for us to have, you and me. Because if you will yield your life, your mind, your heart, your will to the Holy Spirit of God, He will change you and He will loosen your grip on some things that you don't need to hang on anymore. That will happen. It will be messy at times. It will be uncomfortable. It's like I was thinking about it this way. The other day I was sweeping my patio. We live in the desert. There's a lot of dirt on my patio, right, that that is gathered up over time. And I get out the broom and I'm sweeping away and sweeping that dust and sweeping that dirt. And what does it do? It starts to form a cloud of dust. And then my kids come out and they're like just swarmed by dust. It's like a dust storm in my backyard, right? And they're like, Dad, fighting through the dust, Dad, you're making it worse. And what did I do? I had to explain to them, it may seem like that right now. I know this is uncomfortable. There's dust everywhere. It may seem like it's making it worse. No, actually, we're just stirring it up. It's uncomfortable so we can make it better, right? So we can get some some tiles out here that are clean. We can start to experience healing. It's the same way as you yield to the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to be uncomfortable. You will have to let go of some things that you don't want to. And some dust will cloud up, and you could think, maybe this wasn't better. And it is. It's just a little uncomfortable at first. But that's where God brings the unity, and that's where God brings ultimate healing in your life and in mine. So what do we do? How do we start to yield to the Holy Spirit of God, even when it's uncomfortable? How do we experience the type of spirit-empowered unity that people in Acts 2 were experiencing? Well, first, and again, I said it's going to be uncomfortable, all right? First, it has to start with you. And listen, I I wish there was a different way, even for me personally. I wish there was another way, like it could start with other people and they could get some things right with their lives and the Holy Spirit power and and fix their lives. And it started, but it has to has to start with you. It has to start with me. And we have to assess. You would do well to assess. Are you relying upon the Spirit to bring unity in your own heart, in your own life? Are you more relying upon the flesh and your perspectives and your insights and your inspirations? Right? Scripture will tell us, Jesus said in John 6, 63, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Right? Paul says in Romans 8, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. It starts with you yielding to the spirit in your life, seeing the spirit overcome your fleshly desires, insights, and perspectives, and be the primary source of direction and leading in your life. It starts with you. And so you have to ask, one, just do I have the Holy Spirit? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Has the Holy Spirit indwelled your life? You will never have unity in your own heart, much less with other people, if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Two, if you have the Holy Spirit, are you yielding daily to the Holy Spirit through His Word, asking His Word to be illuminated to your your mind, your heart, and your, your life? As you live empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, are you doing that daily? It takes yielding daily to the Holy Spirit of God. This is how we begin to experience unity in our own lives and with other people. It starts with us. 
And then after us, after we start yielding to the Holy Spirit of God, it bleeds out into our church. Like, maybe some of you are thinking, man, if, as a church, like, if we could just agree more, if we could just have more in common, if we could just share more affinities, if we could just have the same perspectives on life, man, that would just be so great. We would be unified. And let me just tell you, it's never worked that way, right? We see it in Ephesians 4, 2 through 3, that we are to bear with one another in love. We are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We bear with one another. We're patient with one another. We make every effort because, precisely because, we're not all the same, right? We're diverse. We have different tongues, languages. We have different ethnicities. We have different perspectives, But God brings us together and he does it as we bear with one another, as we make effort. Because when that diverse group of people, when it comes together, people who aren't the same, people who do disagree, but they don't divide. When that diverse group of people, when they unify, man, it's only because of the spirit of God, right? And so it starts with you, it bleeds out into the church and then it bleeds out into our world. That one of the best ways we love the world is by loving one another well, is by seeing the Holy Spirit unite us. And as the rest of our world is divided, the church is unified. And they begin to ask, why are you, divi- why are you, you, do you agree? Do you vote the same way? Do you see everything the same? Do you guys play sports together? Like, why are you guys so united? And you are able to say, No, man, we have a lot of differences. But one thing we have in common is Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We are all indwelled, God in us. And that's what unifies us. And the world starts to look at that and say, we need that. We want that, right? So it starts with you. It goes to our church and it bleeds out into our world. Listen, church, even if our world divides and it has and it is, the church is unified. This is the way it's worked, biblically, historically. Every time the church is facing a world that's divided, including in the book of Acts, the church shines brightest in that darkness. It unifies, it comes together. And that is what my prayer is for Phoenix Bible Church and for the Bigger C Church. And listen, you can be encouraged that that is already happening. Just Monday night, a few of us got together in this room, different ethnicities, different perspectives, different backgrounds, didn't agree about everything. But by the Holy Spirit's power, we talked, we cried, we prayed, and we cried out for the Holy Spirit of God to change us and to change our church and to unify us and to unify our world and to do that through us. And I left that with more clarity, accountability, and love than I had before I walked in that room. God is unifying our church, and he will continue to do so in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Join me in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for Acts 2. I thank you for Pentecost. I thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit of God. And God, I, I pray that right now, in this moment, that you would begin to do a work by the power of your Holy Spirit to bring unity where there was previously hostility, to bring love and peace and truth where there has been division. God, even for the people watching this, God, I pray right now we would just start, it starts with us. 
God, it starts with our church, then it bleeds out into the world. And right now, the Phoenix Bible Church, God, that I, as the, the pastor of this church, that the people who are watching this, wherever they are, that we would stop for a moment and, and we would grab your word and we would pray to you and, and submit our lives before you and all of our preferences and all of our bias and all of our division and we would lay it down and we would release it before you. God, and we would take hold of your Holy Spirit and it would take hold of us and you would take hold, Holy Spirit of God, of us and you would bring unity in a powerful way, in a transformative way. We pray that by your spirit, through your word, in the name of Jesus, amen.